Amid turmoil, Fox News has remained a ratings juggernaut. In the first quarter of this year, the network averaged 2.7 million viewers between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m., double the viewership of second-place MSNBC. The newcomers have fared particularly well. Martha McCollum, in Van Susteren's old-time slot, delivered Fox News' most-watched quarter ever at 7 p.m. Tucker Carlson, who replaced Kelly, did the same in the 9 p.m. hour. But how many more changes can Fox News withstand? Van Susteren and Kelly were popular, but O'Reilly is in another class. He has been the face of the network since its launch in 1996 and the most-watched cable news host 15 years in a row. Even the cloud of sexual harassment had not darkened O'Reilly's ratings. In fact, he was enjoying a boost in viewership before signing off last Tuesday for what he described as a long-planned vacation. He was scheduled to return Monday. O'Reilly fill-ins Dana Perino, Eric Balling, and Greg Gutfeld have drawn similar audiences. But again, ratings were not really the problem. Dozens of advertisers pulled out of the O'Reilly factor. It doesn't matter how many people tune in if companies refuse to book commercials. Besides principles of right and wrong, which are not always paramount in business, there was Fox News's brand image to consider. Sexual harassment allegations pushed out ales, and with similar accusations dogging O'Reilly, the network appeared hostile to women. A company's reputation is a difficult thing to quantify, but consider this. From the Department of Anecdotal Evidence, as of Monday, the Fox affiliate in Boston, the nation's ninth-largest media market, will change the name of its local newscast from Fox 25 News to Boston 25 News because it considers the Fox brand a liability. So far, Fox News has marched on, seemingly as strong as ever, without Ailes, Van Susteren, and Kelly. As the network prepares for a future without O'Reilly, the question is whether its most popular host is similarly expendable or uncommonly difficult to replace. This is Sam Scholl reading from the Washington Post National section. We're truly sorry. Florida apologizes for racial injustice of 1949 Groveland 4 rape case by Katie Mettler. In the summer of 1949, a 17-year-old white girl named Norma Paget accused four black men of kidnapping her from a dark road in central Florida and then, in the backseat of their car, taking turns raping her. Neighbors quietly doubted the girl's version of events, and others speculated that the elaborate, detailed account was merely a cover-up for the bruises she'd collected from her husband's suspected beatings. But this was the era of Jim Crow, in the middle of Lake County, where the local economy was sustained by orange groves that white men relied on black men to nurture. And there to ensure law and order was Willis V. McCall, a sheriff buoyed by his segregationist, union-busting, white supremacist reputation. Within days of Paget's accusations, three black men from the city of Groveland were in jail and a fourth, Ernest Thomas, was dead, shot and killed by an angry mob, led by McCall, who had chased him 200 miles into the panhandle. In Groveland, black-owned homes were shot up and burned, sparking chaos so intense the governor eventually sent in the National Guard. Based on little evidence, a jury quickly convicted the living three. Charles Greenlee, just 16 at the time, was sent to prison for life. Samuel Shepard and Walter Irvin, friends and army veterans, were sentenced to death, but the U.S. Supreme Court later overturned their convictions and ordered a retrial. Before that could happen, though, McCall shot them both. Shepard died at the scene, but Irvin, who played dead, survived, and his sentence was later commuted to life in prison. The saga of the men who became known as the Groveland Four has spanned nearly seven decades, tarnished the reputation of the town that endorsed it, inspired a relevatory Pulitzer Prize-winning book, and became the subject of an online petition demanding that Governor Rick Scott formally exonerate all four. After 68 years and several previous failed attempts, 
The state of Florida has finally found the words that justice had been waiting on all this time. We're truly sorry. On the floor of the Florida House of Representatives on Tuesday, lawmakers unanimously passed a resolution apologizing to the families of the Groveland Four and exonerating the men. It also calls on Scott to expedite the process for granting posthumous pardons. None of the Groveland Four are still living. This resolution is us simply saying we're sorry, understanding that we will never know nor be able to make up for the pain we have caused, said Representative Bobby DeBose, a bill sponsor, according to the Miami Herald. Then he asked House members to stand and face relatives of the Groveland Four who were present. As the state of Florida and the House of Representatives, DuBose said, were truly sorry. The formal acknowledgement of the case, now widely considered a racial injustice, has been years in the making. A book by author Gilbert King, Devil in the Grove, Thurgood Marshall, The Groveland Boys, and The Dawn of a New America, revived interest in the decades-old case and unearthed new evidence.